0: As a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly this podcast aims to educate inform and keep you motivated on your period and ha recovery track so let's dive in but last thing nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice so please seek the advice of your physician Hey everyone, and welcome back to the HA podcast. I am joined today by Olivia Park. She's a female health and performance coach, and she is also um, a member, we a member, or is a member of the HA Society. Mm-hmm. Cool. And um, it's been fun just to have, we have a mix of people in there, and uh, some who are still, you know, um, passionate about their health and, and well not health, that's the wrong word, but their performance and training passions, right? And they, they don't wanna let it go. And that's a huge conversation in this space at the moment is like, can I still enjoy exercise after recovery or during recovery or whatever? And I get asked about that all the time. I talk about it a lot. So I'm excited to have Olivia on because this is her jam. This is what she does. She's really passionate about it so welcome to the show olivia
1: thanks danny nice to be here very cool to be here
0: yeah would um that was my high level intro of you what else would you tell people
1: about yourself that's important to know for the context of today's show yeah, so I am a female health and performance coach. Um, I've been in the fitness industry for a long time. I started, or um, well, you can hear by my accent, I'm actually from New Zealand, but I live in South Korea and I've been in Asia um, for uh, maybe about seven years now. Um, and prior to this, I was in New Zealand, obviously, and that's where I started my uh, career. So I've been in the industry for uh, over 10 years. And I was in person for a long time and also coaching CrossFit for a long time. Um, And then when we moved from Taiwan to South Korea a few years ago, I actually went fully online. So I work with women one-on-one and I also have a group um, training program that is specific to women, um, like a strength and conditioning program. Um, And I have been an athlete myself, so I competed in bodybuilding for a long time and then Moved into CrossFit, um, competed in that. I ended up winning the fittest in Taiwan in 2017. Um, did you? And was that
0: when they brought in like the new, the new kind of structure?
1: No, that was before. That was before that. Yeah. So this is still when it was kind of like regionals and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I kind of stopped competing um, because I realised that my health was. mess, and I needed to do a lot of work to kind of fix my body and well get it healthy and also um, my relationship with training and nutrition and stuff like that so it was kind of like getting to that point I did a couple more competitions after that that year but then I um, stopped and really pulled back to work on my my own health and I've also worked with a quite a number of women who've come from that same place as well Um, and so this journey with hypothalamic amenorrhea has been something that's been going on for a really really long time for me Um, before we recorded I said that it was yeah over it it was about yeah over 10 years ago that I went to an endocrinologist um, and said I don't have a period like something must be going on Mm -hmm. Um, and prior to that I'd gone off the pill which i had been on since I was 14 years old for my skin and then the GP that I went to said well you're going to have to go back on the pill because that's the only way you're going to get a period back Um, which I wasn't prepared to do because I just wanted to let my body kind of you know regulate Um, and when I saw that endocrinologist she said to me her main kind of focus at coming at me was with fertility and this was over 10 years ago like I was not interested in getting pregnant then I was like in the middle of competing in bodybuilding and it was just not going to happen but she told me that I just had to change my whole life she told me I had to change my career I had to stop training I had to stop competing and So I put my head in the sand and ignored everything that she said, because of course, I wasn't going to turn my life around. Um, And I love my job. So I carried on for a number of years, just being completely under recovered um, until around about 2017, where I decided that I needed to make some changes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what, um, okay, I want to know what the changes were and how you because I have a hunch, right, that your journey has been a little bit different to how a lot of people talk about the typical, like, all-in situation. So tell me about making the changes and what you tried, what worked, what didn't work.
1: Yeah, so it was, I actually got my period back in January this year. So January 2021, yeah, yeah. Um, And so it had been, Yeah, over 10 years without it. And I would say actually it had been longer than that. So that was when I came off the pill and I didn't get it back. But I think that I probably, it probably would have been a a little bit longer than that just because of training and stuff like that. Um, And so when I got it in January, it was the first time I'd had a natural period since I was 14 years old. So it was pretty incredible. Um, But when I decided that I needed to make some changes it was really, um, I was starting to dig more into female specific kind of training and health, um, learning more about the menstrual cycle and stuff like that um, around about 2016. And so that was when I was really starting to think, okay, like this isn't right for me, like something is going on. But I was so wrapped up in my identity as an athlete, as a coach and the fear of leaving any of that behind, you know, would people not think that I was a good coach? Would people think that I'd let myself go? Would people think that I wasn't qualified if I didn't look like that, you know? So oh, yeah. I, I just had so yeah, so much internal stuff going on that I had to work through. And so when I decided that I was going to stop competing, I pulled back a little bit. I changed my training. So I stopped doing kind of like CrossFit and moved into more kind of like functional bodybuilding stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was still training a lot, you know, Um, and it truly is a passion of mine, you know, training. Obviously it's what I do. And so that was really hard to kind of detach from. It was very, very murky of like, what is actually coming from the external and what is actually coming from the internal. And so over these years, it's been honestly a lot of like unpacking, so much unpacking my identity, a lot of like therapy um, and understanding this stuff, a lot of work. And so I started changing my training a little bit, um, started eating more, I started gaining more weight and I had people in my corner along the way because I just couldn't do it on my own um and then so that was kind of like quasi recovery you know this place where a lot of people sit for a long time yeah and then last year I actually it was in November I think I actually decided to go like all in I do quotation marks here and what I mean by my process of all in was I started I was like okay cool like 2500 calories like that's I mean, that's like the blanket thing, which isn't true for everybody, right? But um, that's what I decided to do. And I was still kind of working out. I just cut it down slowly, but it was really the training that was the last piece for me. It wasn't hard to eat more, but it was the training um, that was really difficult because I was like, how can I not be doing this? It's like, it's what I do. It's my livelihood. Like people see me training and I was... I mean, the fittest and type, you know, it was like, just yeah, really crazy. Like
0: eating is something you're already doing. So you're just mm. increasing it, but the exercise de- is being decreased and it, it's very, um, I totally relate. Like even today, like to this day, I still have a reaction, um, a negative reaction to when I don't get a workout in on the days that I've like that I allow myself to work out, you know, Um, I don't train like an athlete anymore, but I still have feelings around not getting a workout in that I have the skills and tools now to like move past that. But in the very beginning,
1: it feels very difficult. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even to cancel my gym membership, I mean, that was just like, what? like I don't have a gym membership. that felt really weird. Um, but I actually went through IVF last year. so in um, yeah November December uh, we went through IVF and that was kind of obviously it didn't work but that was a that was a more of a catalyst for me to be like okay I'm literally hiding <laughs> like I can't I can't hide like I have to do something different here. And it was also the expense of that and I was like, this is crazy that I know, I know that I can get my period back. I mean, there was obviously doubt because I hadn't had it for so long, but I was just like, I, I, I'm sure that I can. And to spend all of that money on IVF when it's like, surely I can do this naturally. Um, and so that was kind of the catalyst for me to go like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to do this. And it was hard like to go through IVF and HA at the same time. Like that was something that was so, I, I felt very alone with that because nobody could understand that. You know, I think that going through IVF is really challenging anyway, but going through HA, and that's why the HA society is so impactful because it's like nobody, if you haven't been through it, it's really hard to understand. And so, because it's so complex and so layered um and so that was really challenging but then my period actually came back really quickly and with the changes with exercise I was actually still doing body weight stuff I was actually still riding my assault bike um really easy still doing body weight stuff um because when I strip all of that back and this is all the internal work right and it's like a lot of what I talk about within my coaching is that we do you know we work out and we work in and so for me then to like go into exercise was all about intention setting it's like okay i'm doing this because it truly makes me feel really good and it's completely void of anything external because i'm not trying to change anything i'm not changing i'm not chasing fitness i'm not chasing strength it's literally because moving my body through space just is a really beautiful thing for me to do and so i actually didn't give up exercise completely which I think is kind of different to a lot of people and I think um that the the biggest thing for me was the way that I was approaching it so just um intention setting every single time um and just being so aware and so in tune with my body and making changes and stuff like that but um Yeah. And then I got my period pretty quickly. So I went sort of like my all in process, like end of November. And then I got my period in January and it was amazing.
0: So amazing. So exciting. Um, Yeah. I feel kind of similar. I also talk about having done some exercise throughout my whole process, um, which is unusual and sure might not work for everyone, but for people who have been training for a really long time, um, everyone's unique and you do have to do a very specific and thorough kind of background on each person. Right. So Mm -hmm. you were training like an athlete, you just needed to dial some shit in, you know, and in order to do that, you needed to step back, but your body is conditioned in a certain way to do this and it should cycle. Whereas we see a lot of people, go from I guess like a a non-athletic background to starving themselves and training really hard and in that case we might see it makes more sense as a prescription to like stop what you're doing right now maybe and even still then maybe it's it's very specific and so it makes sense your story it makes sense my story um Okay. There's a lot of people listening who are keen to hear about getting your period back and still continuing to exercise because they resonate with this story. They, they hear themselves in your story, which is great. So what are some of the like mental challenges? We talked about giving up exercise, right? But working in the wellness industry, you know, for example, what was one of the biggest hurdles to get through there because it's so hard to recover in a fitness environment.
1: Yes. And I, yeah. So for me, for many years, I carried like this massive shame because I'm a female health and performance coach so um, although I have my own business I also teach alongside Nadia Norman um, who is in Australia um, teaching her female health and performance course and so that is for Um, trainers and coaches and we teach on how to work with women and so that's a lot to do with like physiology and like menstrual cycle like stages and phases of um, you know women and training women and you know um, physiological load and stuff like that and so for me I have been teaching on this stuff for a really long time but I was still still in it and I didn't have a period and so for many years I just held like a really really deep shame because I was teaching this stuff but I was still struggling and so it was almost like when I did finally decide to do it, it when I got my period back in January it was like it was the relief of like wow my body can do this like this is incredible and honestly it's like it was the biggest achievement I've ever had in my whole life you know with sporting achievements and everything like getting my period back was like 100% the best thing in the world and what it also gave me was like oh my gosh I can let the shame go now like I can I'm truly embodying the things that I teach now and so that was a really big thing for me and I think that for fitness professionals like that is something to kind of hold on to as well it's like We have an opportunity to truly, as a collective, like change the face of the fitness industry from like fitness culture to what is true fitness and true health. And this is where I do think that as fitness professionals, we have a responsibility because there is just so much smoke and mirrors in the industry. And although our vulnerability does need to be earned. And it doesn't mean that we share everything about our lives, but I do think the struggle is important um, so that, people who are not in the industry but do it as a hobby or an interest or something like that they can be like ah okay cool like I can talk about this as well or this is available for me like it doesn't have to be like this um so I think that that is a really important thing that as a collective um, that vulnerability that is shared from um, industry professionals and like talking about it is super important um but something that you would hear all the time Danny because I know that people say this um, and i've had this as well from clients is, you know, I'm just so worried about losing all the strength and the fitness that I have built, right? Um, And I had that fear as well, but you don't lose it. Like, and especially if you've been training for a long time, like you your body is so amazing and it remembers like the more trained you are the more fitness and strength um you know motor control like all of that stuff you actually hold on to and it doesn't take long to actually get that back but i think it is really important to to do the work to come to a place of like accepting that things probably won't look like what they did look like but with that with this whole process is this incredible opportunity to develop a better relationship with exercise and I think that that is something that is so powerful for everybody that especially fitness professionals that they can go from living this like being in this place of like loving it and teaching it but then also maybe feeling a whole lot of like expectations and assumptions and stuff like that of what it should look like, or what they should look like to go through this process and heal their themselves. They then get the opportunity to help other people truly heal when they are coming from a place of real truth with the relationship that they have with exercise. And so I think that, I think it's more of an opportunity for women that might be struggling with HA who are fitness professionals Rather than something that is going to be, you know, negatively impacting like their business or people wanting to work with them, it takes a lot of bravery. And people see that, you know.
0: Yeah, that I love that. That's exactly how I have described it um, to other like fitness professionals that I'll talk to. Is that it's an opportunity and it's a responsibility. Like, I, I know. Think about if you were a doctor, and no, a new science came out that just like disproved something that you have been um, telling people because that was what your belief was. You don't just be like, Oh my God, I have to quit being a doctor because I, because this information, this new information has counted things I've said in the past. No, you just adapt. You just go, okay, shit, did the best I could with the information I had at the time and moving forward this is what I wanna teach now. And I I feel like it's very similar, but like, as you're saying in the wellness industry, it's like be jacked and lean or go home. Mm -hmm. And there's no space for anything else. And if you have a condition situation, health situation that you need to work on, and it means you have to step away from being jacked and lean, you're not welcome here it's all stupid and your clients or yeah your clients i guess they're all called um you know they need they're looking to you for information and the only information they're getting is silly things from the internet and infomercials and gym ads right Uh, they it's not their fault (laughs) So, yes, maybe you do feel a bit dis, um, uncomfortable getting clients and not feeling like you, quote unquote, look the part. But, you know, we need to be actively working to change that narrative. By you giving into that and accepting that, you're perpetuating it. And don't you want to be the like someone who is at the forefront of change? we all want that but you know when it comes to this opportunity to take it and do it and speak up we're scared and we don't want to do it but it's like oh wouldn't it be so great to you know advocate for change but you know I can't do that because I'm me yeah
1: (laughs) yeah totally you know and I think that there's a couple of things with us it's like yeah I mean that sounds awesome like that sounds really cool but also when you haven't it's like I mean if you haven't gone through something it's like how can I possibly trust that this is true you know and that's what I felt it's like when I started this I was like how can I actually trust that I'm going to get my period back like every single day mm-hmm. I was like what have I, I done? yeah and I was like I literally haven't had a period for over a decade like how am I possibly gonna make this be true and in that time it's like you're not training you're not working out you're gaining weight you're having to eat a lot um which I think was a really cool thing to explore anyway but you um you're gaining weight like your body is changing I think at the initial first couple of weeks it's like okay cool like yes I'm doing this and amazing, I'm going to like try these foods that I might've had rules around or something like that. Um, But then your body starts to catch up with you, right? And I think that that is when it's like really, really hard to trust that first of all, you can get your period back. And secondly, that it's okay that you're doing this and you are a fitness professional. (laughs) Because like you said, there is literally every single thing in your face Telling you that you're doing the wrong thing.
0: It makes sense that you would have wound up having to rectify this issue. This issue.
1: Logical. Hundred percent. And it's so weird because it's like you think that the solution is not what you're doing, but that's actually. I mean, you think the solution is something but that's actually your problem and so like you said it's just like continuing to perpetuate it and that's what we do with so many things in our lives right it's like we think the solution is a solution but it's actually the problem and so um it is so hard it is so hard to trust and i just had to say to myself every day like i just had to say to myself i i am healthy my body is safe i am healthy my body is safe and i just had to keep going but when I got my period, I was like, oh my gosh, everything makes sense now. But it is so hard to trust. It is so hard to trust that you can come on the, out on the other side. And I honestly, I wrote, a, um, I wrote something about this the other day, I think a post or something. But I truly believed that in like December, I was like, I'm never going to be able to train again. Like I'm never going to be able to work yeah. out again.
0: It's always the month before it happens or like shortly before yeah. it happens.
1: And now I I just had a, another period and that was like a 33-day cycle. So it's gotten shorter and shorter and shorter, Yay. which is really awesome. Yeah, and I'm back training, you know? Like yesterday I was running, I was lifting, I'm back doing ollie lifting. Um, and of course it looks very different, but I want it to look different now because the way that I see it now and the way that I go into my workouts is for pure Love, like pure love. And I think that that's something that's really important. Like we can have talked about before, is like there is this amazing opportunity to release yourself from assumptions and judgments of fitness. Like this is incredible. And on the other side of this is this very pure and very true relationship that you can have with fitness for fitness, you know, and for no other reason than just that. And so you can go, still go for like performance goals and stuff like that, but it can truly come from this place of like internal rather than it being external. Because I think that one of the things as well is that women that have um, maybe have this kind of like obsession with exercise, whether they're in the industry or not, that, and, and that being about their body, it can quickly turn into obsession with performance. And so I think that, Also, you know, and we see that from like CrossFit, right? If someone started at the gym and they're like, okay, cool. Like starting with the elliptical and then maybe they go into the weights room and it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Like lifting weights is pretty cool. And then it's like, wow, CrossFit. Okay. Like what can my body do? And that is still an obsession, right? Even though it's not about body maybe, but But I mean, and how often
0: let's be real, like how often people do CrossFit and then, you know, totally. It, it very quickly becomes, well, I want to look like I do CrossFit.
1: 100%, right? <laughs> and it goes like this, like, okay, aesthetics and then performance. And then it's this murky place of like aesthetics and performance. And that oh, is God, a crazy I place know. to be.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah right? Yeah. But now, like after going through this process, like truly having respect and truly having appreciation for your body healing itself and you doing the mental work that comes along with that, now you can go back to exercise with like, oh my gosh, like what can I do? But that coming from a very, very true place from, you know, what your values are and how your how fitness fits into your values and being led by that, which is mm-hmm. pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. And I always love seeing people go back into it actually fed now and actually willing to take rest days because they get it now. And so their performance improves because they're they have energy. It's really cool. What do you say to people who are in that period of time where they're struggling to trust right now?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, Something that I do get them to think about is like something that they've done in the past where they truly didn't believe they could do something or they didn't trust in and then they did and Mm -hmm. then they achieved that thing or something I think that looking for other evidence to go against um, the thing is really important to show that you actually can do something as like a way to be like, okay, I have, I really struggled with this, but I got through it. And even though this is a really, really big thing, um, it's, yeah, having that other kind of evidence, not going against it, but that you can do really hard things is important.
0: Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit Or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food and mindsets around food and what you do. Is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it, and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the Hsociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off? Or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot. And it will be waiting
1: for you there. Um, I also think that talking about it. Because shame loves to live in the shadows, right? And so when we when we talk about it and like reaching out and asking for support and, um, you know, again, like that's why the HA Society is so cool because there are people that actually get it, you know, um, because most women that are going through HA, people around them don't really understand that, what it's right. like, that it's not just about eating more and stopping exercise. It's about your whole... It's like reevaluating your whole identity if you do have that identity with fitness. Um, and also going through body changes, like dealing with body image, like unpacking all of that. Like, where did that come for, from for you? You know, childhood and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Um, and so one of the one of the key things is actually talking about it. So speaking about the struggle, um, like obviously with people that have earned you know, your vulnerability and you trust. Um, but I found that that was really helpful for me as well as to just talk Mm -hmm. about it so that it's not kind of like festering inside, um, and having just a really, really good support system because Yeah. yeah, I mean, trusting yourself when you don't believe that something might happen or that everything, it feels negative around the thing is just so, so challenging. So yeah talking about it I think was is a really important thing.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. That's like the one of the main reasons I started the society in general was for these community calls because you just the people around you for some reason it feels like no one else is suffering with this until you know you start talking about it. I can't tell you the amount of times we've had someone say like oh I I posted about it on Instagram or I finally Um, I told people at this, at my gym about this and someone said, oh, Hey, I don't have my period either. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. Like you're not alone. It's everywhere. Um, it's everywhere. And other people want to talk about it and other people need to be like, let in on the big dirty secret of the fitness industry. So yeah, it helps. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, I had that as well, you know, when I started to talk about it more in my own sort of journey with that, um, so many women who are also coaches and trainers were reaching out and just being like, oh my gosh, this is, this is what is happening for me right now. I really don't know what to do. Um, And it's just, I mean, just with, especially with fitness professionals, there's so much shame. It's just like, like shame, 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 you know, from all avenues. And it's, it's really hard. I think that I was also lucky because I'd gone online. So I think that that made it a lot easier. And I, I keep saying to my husband, man, if I was doing this and I was in a gym, it would be much more, more more challenging. So those women that are going through that and are actually working in a gym, then yeah, there's a lot more to that. And it is a a lot more challenging, but also with that is like, members and your clients like seeing effort you know like seeing how much you're respecting yourself to go through this process and how much effort you're putting in and what is actually possible and what true health is I think that this is this is it you know like in the industry people are always talking about health and stuff like that but it's like but really I mean really because health is not a look which we know and so for you to go through this process, like anyone who's listening for you to go through this process, like you're truly showing your clients and the people around you, how much you appreciate, you know, health for yourself. And that's a truly inspiring thing, you know, more so than, I don't know, talking, I mean, talking about how hard you train. (laughs) or something, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I, that's exactly what I was thinking was, um, you know, imagine there's two scenarios where you're in the gym and your client's like, oh, tell me about like what you do to work out. Oh, I work out seven days a week and blah, blah, blah. And you just like present this unattainable, unrealistic, unhealthy thing to them. And that is one of the things that's going to catalyst them down some messed up path. Whereas if you were talking to your trainer and they asked you that question to, to your client and they asked you that question and you said, oh, you know, I work out four days a week, I take full rest days, um, I make sure I eat a bunch, like you presented them with something that was healthy and reasonable, particularly for the average person, you might save a life.
1: <laughs> 100%. And the, and this is a thing, right? Is like really, um, you know, that glorification of like healthy eating and clean eating and like like working out so hard. It's like, holy smokes. Like imagine if we actually... Glorified having rest and being well fed. Um, it's like when my clients are talking about going into workouts, like, and they crush it because they had like a really good meal before and they're eating more and they are, um, they understand the science of rest. They understand the science of you know adaptation. Education is a really big thing with what I do. It's like, I mean, that stuff's amazing. And this is it. Like we can we can be well fed we can be well rested and we can make gains. Like this is the thing that- That's how you make them. (laughs) 100%, right? That it doesn't need to be so hard. It doesn't need to be so, so hard. Um, But that comes from first deciding that you want to have a better relationship with yourself with exercise and food. And that's the hardest thing and just starting to take the action towards that
0: well, let's talk about action. Let's get like a little bit tangible for some people trying to recover um, or being in recovery, but continuing to train. What are some tactical things or processes, or even just like thought processes that you recommend that people do in this particular situation?
1: Yeah, so I think that um, I've sort of mentioned it a couple of times before, but like intention setting is huge. Um, so there's three kind of pieces to this. And this is sort of how I how things kind of work in my coaching practice. As um, when I'm talking about training and, and thinking about training, there's three kind of pillars to it. And it is intention, intensity, and intuition. And until we understand intention and intuition, uh, sorry intention and intensity we can't really understand intuition because you know like we said at the beginning uh, or before we started recording is like your intuition is going to want to go hard or it's going to want to do all the things and so we first have to understand those those other two things first and so with intention um something that I encourage everybody to like my clients to do and what I do myself and did myself through that recovery process was with every single workout I would set an intention and so I would say okay like I my intention is to keep my heart rate at this or it could be my intention is to move to feel good if I feel any struggle then I'm going to change direction I'm going to change what I'm doing Um, or it could be I'm moving because this is really helpful for my body, but I don't need to do any more than that. You know, like it doesn't have to be, or my intention is not to chase fitness right now. I'm literally just moving. And so I think that that intention with every single workout was like, it gives you a plan, you know, because otherwise if you're going into it like, oh, I don't really know how I'm navigating this. Like, I want to go really hard, but I know I shouldn't, but I want to lift the weight, but I know that that's not going to be helpful for me. Then it's just like this crazy kind of mind game that you're playing with yourself. And so um, I think that that is a really important thing First, The second thing is intensity. And so this is probably what got most of us to where we were anyway, is not understanding how to modulate intensity. Um, and this is true for, you know, in recovery and outside of recovery like just normal training anyway that we need to have times during you know the week with our exercise where we're we're doing like you know maybe a little bit harder not in recovery but you know harder and then moderate and then easy and then rest right and so yeah these these people aren't tapering like ever yeah yeah <laughs> and so it's not even just like going hard and then having a deload week, right? I mean, it's like throughout your week, it's about working in different intensities um, so that so that also you're actually creating like a bigger range of fitness as well. You know, it's not going 100% all the time. And so I think that that is a really important thing as well is understanding like different modes of intensity. And so going through re- recovery, it's like you actually are going to be know on on the like lower end of intensity obviously but knowing that when you come back then modulating as a way to keep yourself healthy and keep your period um and there are lots of practical things that you know can go with that as like program design um and actual um you know periodization and stuff like that um and then the other thing is and um intuition and so this is more like auto regulation or self-regulation and so auto regulation is um is a framework for training where you're working at the intensity of what you're actually capable of that day um and self-regulation within that is like you looking at your unique stuff and layering that within the auto regulation protocol. So it's like okay like how did I sleep like How am I actually feeling? How is my energy? How is my mood? Um, You know, all of these kind of things and then layering that. So I think that that kind of stuff is more sort of like once you have had those three recovery periods um, and you are thinking about bringing exercise in, then starting to think about these things. But through that recovery process, um, yeah, I mean, everybody handles stress differently, right? So a stress bucket the individual stress bucket that we have is if someone has got a really stressful job, has got children, has got a lot of stuff going on, then exercise is probably going to be lower in recovery. You know, it might, like we said, like have to be nothing, but for people that may have a little bit more space, then maybe you can handle, you know, doing the body weight stuff um, and doing a little bit more because your stress bucket isn't as full. And so that's the thing that we're constantly trying to manage, right? Love it. Yes. Basically
0: assessing, constantly assessing like, yeah, what your intention is, what your intensity is, what what you can handle. And I think we're all capable of getting to that place. And the thing that we have to be always like, even you, even me, are always checking in on is like, are, are these fundamentals so super, super easy to kind of like slip away and add a little bit more intensity and add another little bit of day of training or, or skip a meal or something? And when I talk to girls who are trying to recover while exercising, they, those, um, all the little things that you do around your training as well become you know there's so much more important now because i think a big piece of like the all-in method right is let's throw everything at the wall because we know it'll work okay and that's great but so if you're if you're going to choose to not throw everything at the wall you have to be really intentional and you have like with everything from how you're structuring your training to how you're living your life outside of it um that's just kind of what came up for me while you were talking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now I would never train without having like two meals. So that is really important. And then eating straight away afterwards, um, you know, very mindful of my caffeine as well. And I mean, I'm lucky because I am very knowledgeable about program design. You know, it's like what I do. And so I'm able to be very, um fluid with what I do but I think um I think also it's like and there are lots of practical things with it you know it's like if you're not feeling that good and you go into the gym to like lift and you're not feeling good it's like man there's no shame in like sitting on a machine you know it's like do a chest press machine instead of like a barbell bench press you know Um, but things like that that can be done to actually support you along the way but an individual's physiological load is just going to be so different um and so it's about understanding what your physiological load is and what your mrv so your maximum recovery volume right and the thing is as well is that even though even if you do love fitness and you love working out and you love training like that's what you tell yourself it's like yes and you know um there can be other stuff for you as well so it's like for me now not I remember someone said to me a few years ago, it was another coach who said, what else do you do? Like, what else do you do? And I was just like, holy smokes. And that was actually a massive catalyst as well. Cause I was like, oh my gosh. I had that oh happen as well.
0: What else are you into? Yeah.
1: Yes. Um. <laughs> yeah. And it was really painful and you know, I didn't have a social life. It was just like, everything was training. And so now I still, tr- I'm back like training training. You know relatively hard um making progress again i'm like building up my strength again but i also am so um i skateboard a lot like i love skateboarding um i am back into loving music you know for so many years i was like music for me was just drum and bass to get me through my workouts and now i've i've um rekindled my passion for music um and lots of other kind of things that I'm doing as well as my training, you know, realizing that you can still perform, you can still be really interested in fitness and like make gains and like, you know, get after it, but you can do that well fed and you can do that um, with health and you can do that with other interests as well. And yes. I think that that is a really, really cool, cool thing.
0: Yeah, I do. I think that's an important piece is like, Um, you know, feeding your soul and opening up your life and your interests and your brain to other things. Um, Because I, I mean, I can't explain why it just is. It's just really, really cool. Um, What would you say then is the biggest difference now in your training? And, you know, maybe you've answered it. Maybe you've, you're like, oh, my intention and my intensity, but is there anything else that's big that um, you know, that's a big difference between how you train today versus how you did back then. And maybe this is literally I mean, just a, like a, a recap summary of everything you just said. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think there's two things with it. So first of all, the practical of how I train is that, um, I mean, I'm not doing, I can I do have a desire to compete in master's with CrossFit um so I am competitive you know I really like that but it's more the process of that that I enjoy um but whether I do I'm not sure I mean we're about to go through IVF again and that's still you know that's important to us um I'm a little bit older and so yeah um but my training is um it's kind of the same as before I went back before I went into like the all all in in november last year so functional bodybuilding kind of like functional bodybuilding olympic lifting and crossfit like it's very much like a a hybrid sort of thing but i'm not doing fram <laughs> i'm not doing barbell thrusters and stuff like that and i honestly don't want to because it just feels hard and even though what i do is challenging there's like a difference between hard and challenging right and um we don't have to make things hard for things to be effective. And it's like when we're actually challenging ourselves in a way that's supportive, that's when we can actually make progress. It doesn't have to be, and that's that intensity piece, right? It doesn't need to be high intensity. Um, It can be a challenge and you can not even sweat and you can make progress, you know? So um, yeah, and I love that. Like I love that I train in a way that truly supports me and I'm getting stronger and I'm getting fitter And so much of that is to do with how I approach recovery. So um, there is that. The second thing is being able to work out free of anything else. So when I first went back to the gym after I, when I was ready, um, and I wanted to kind of like experiment with this and also through recovery, there was still a lot of justification. So it's like, I look like this, because I'm doing this thing, and feeling like I had to explain to people, and even going back to the gym um, recently, it's also kind of challenging, because I'm in a place where they don't speak English, and so Mm -hmm. I'm the only foreigner in this gym, and so I found that kind of hard, because I I just wanted to say to them, I can do more than this, you know, like I am stronger than this, I, I used to do this, and I used to I used to look like this. Like I found that that story was coming up for me a lot. Um, but I could see it and I could observe it and be like, okay, cool, that's interesting. But there's, I don't have to act on any of that. And so I, so there was nothing that I did differently, right? So it could have been in the past, I would train harder or like, um, I don't know, do something different to try and prove my fitness or prove, that I am a good coach because I'm fit and strong or something like this, but there's none of that. And so I think that that is a really cool thing to be able to observe those thoughts. Like I have really bad, like yesterday I had a really, really bad body image day. Like it was really hard um, and we have those days, but I can see those thoughts and feel those emotions and feel the hard stuff, but it doesn't take me away from my values with health and the way that I want to approach fitness and how that fits into that bigger system of the person I want to be and how I want to live my life. And so I think that that is one of the biggest things is that I can have these hard thoughts and these difficult thoughts and you know wanting to justify things and maybe wanting to go back to what I was doing or you know whatever, but I never act on them. And I think that that is where empowerment with this is right when we can have that skill to be able to let that stuff come in, but then not change our course um, and stay on that. And that is that is what true freedom is, I think, with, you know, fitness and exercise and, and all of this and body image and stuff.
0: Mm. Cool. I love it. I had like a random question come up from just uh, the beginning of when you started speaking. Are you Do you track your cycles now?
1: Yes. So I um, I was like, yeah, so it's gone down. It was like, um, 50 days and then like 48 days and 45 days. And it's 30, the last one was 33 days. And so that's really cool that it's kind of like sort of normalizing like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you just track the length or you track all of the phases and ovulation as well?
1: Yeah. So I do. Um, and I think that, uh, we're actually going to, um, for this ovulation, we're actually going to go and get a scan done just to make sure that it is actually happening. Yeah, because yeah. we are going to try IVF again. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. And
1: I love, I love it. it. It's a, it's amazing. Like, it is amazing to be able to train with all of that information now. Mm. Like,
0: I think it's and very I truly important. Feel like
1: yeah, I truly feel like a, a woman, you know, but, um, but also just on that, there is a lot of stuff out there now about training with your cycle and like female phase training. And although this is something that I teach, it's, we do have to remember that again, it's like very, very, very individual. And there's a lot of stuff out there that says like, do this in your luteal phase or do this in your follicular phase and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's just, it's such a blanket kind of statement. Um, And it's almost like, the conversations around that have almost become kind of like a trendy or like buzzwordy and stuff you know like i fully agree i was like oh
0: my god train your cycle okay um yeah
1: it's so i unfair. think i think it's like yeah.
0: i would rather and maybe i should do this like write an article on this like um how to assess what you need for your cycle versus like 100%. following this blanket recommendation of
1: like chill
0: out in your luteal phase. Oh
1: my gosh, like do yoga, like go for long walks in your luteal phase. It's like, no, like we can still we can still do whatever we want to do, you know? I mean, yeah. if you want to train, train. If you don't want to, it's fine. But, um, have and that's where having the education is so important, right? Is like when you have education about your body, like the actual physiology, and also understanding the process of like training and stuff, um then you layer yourself on you know it's like the big rocks still are the same like especially with recovery like lifestyle and um and then program design like the big rocks still stay and then we layer female physiology and our own experience on top of that and that's why tracking is just so crucial yeah and I I think one of the things that um
0: i think is really the most impactful is uh just how when you understand how your cycle affects you and your energy levels and you individually as a as a person you can just have reasonable gd expectations because so much of our stress in an ha state comes from like oh my god i had a shitty session like why oh i'm going backwards am I'm, I'm going backwards i shouldn't feel tired today blah 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 but a lot of it, if you're charting while you're training, you can explain a lot about why you feel the way you feel.
1: Totally. And that's that's why I always, I, I say to my clients, like the way that we look at your menstrual cycle is it's an energy management tool. It's not about training with your cycle. It's like, it's your whole life. You're, like, you're a 360 degree human. You know, this is an energy management tool. And we don't train in a vacuum. So it's like, yeah, again, it's like, what is your physiological load? And, you know, when you're in your luteal phase, maybe that physiological load is more because anxiety might be a little bit higher for you. You know, your ability to manage your emotions is harder and then that's going to impact your training and blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it's definitely um, more of an energy thing rather than a specific training tool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. This was really fun. I hope that you guys listening kind of got something out of just sitting in on this conversation and like nodding your head along and feeling maybe even um, encouraged that if you're a fitness professional, you're right where you need to be. It makes total sense. You're here. This is an opportunity for you. And if you're not a fitness professional, but you're someone who still really values, um, training and exercise, you know, there's no judgment over here from me or or Olivia, we're we're pumped for you. And the importance is in figuring out what you need to recover and figuring out how you can stay that way with your exercise. And you just have to be open to it, not looking how you thought it was going to look now and down the track and be open to it actually being better than you thought it could be
1: yeah love it 100 (laughs) percent
0: um where can people learn more from you learn about working with you if that's something of interest to them what how can they work with you all that good stuff
1: yeah so i am pretty active on instagram um and so my handle is olivia park coach my website is olivia park coaching um, and I do one-on-one, um, individualized, uh, program design, um, and also like lifestyle and stuff. Um, and also my female specific, uh, strength and conditioning program called Grit and Grace. Um, and yeah, that's it. I should try that
0: like, after <laughs> I have this baby. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much, guys. Go check out Live. um links in the show notes as well and i'll see all of you guys next week
1: bye bye
0: hey there it's me danny and i want to tell you about temp drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option so many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor, and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm, and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool as a practitioner and it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant however manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option when you're in the middle of recovery again we do recommend manual temping but once you're cycling the temp drop is actually a really great hack so it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status like where you are in your monthly cycle so you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wakeups. so i personally love this because with a toddler my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult so Tempdrops, drops accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature this includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using opks and then it also gives you sleep insights too so you can combine these fertility signs all in one place and that will help you identify your fertile window confirm ovulation plan for your period and if you're trying to get pregnant you know identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycles not slipping back in the HA direction, temp drop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the temp drop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHASociety. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, AFHASociety at the checkout, That will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition beef liver capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for Like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. Rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society.